Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the third part of Dame Grumble and her curious apple tree. In this part, Dame Grumble and Freyo have a surprise visitor to their cottage. When the visitor arrives, Dame Grumble invites him in and offers him a meal, grumbling all the while. After he eats, the traveler tells Dame Grumble and Freyo all about his travels and they enjoy his stories. When they awake the next morning, the traveler has gone, but things are about to change in the cottage. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere, but before bed, Let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, Be sure to slowly breathe through your nose, and when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in, and breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths, how you get more and more relaxed with each breath the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in and breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story and music. Breathe in and breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with part three of Dame Grumble and her curious apple tree. Now it happened at this time, when all Dame Grumble's troubles seemed too many to stand, that the good woman and her son enjoyed a visitor. Visitors in that country, quite close to the top of the earth, were very rare. This visitor was not an ordinary sort of person, because he journeyed continuously about the earth and was well known all over. He was called the Traveler. But though he roamed everywhere, 
the traveler seemed never headed for any certain land or country, but went his ways just as the wind went theirs. The traveler never stayed long in any city or village. He only stayed long enough to do a kindness for someone or to help someone on their way. Few people ever could agree about his age. The old thought him young, and the young thought him old. However, young and old alike agreed that the traveler seemed to have magic powers to ease cares and troubles. Wherever he found quarrels and offenses, he left love and kindness. Where he found envy, he left content. Where he went once, the traveler always found a warm welcome awaiting him on his return. What was the secret source of the traveler's noble qualities was a mystery to all folk. Some said the traveler kept his cheerful spirit because of a certain great cloak that he always wore. This cloak, they said, was made of wool woven from the fleece of fairy sheep and had great powers of happiness. Others said that in a far-off country, the traveler had drank deeply of a certain magic well, the waters of which were said to bless one with a kindly heart forevermore. Still others thought the traveler's power over cares and sorrow lay in the plain wood staff he always carried. But though the secret of his soothing charm was uncertain, it was certain that the traveler paid a visit to Dame Grumble and her son, one chilly autumn evening, and the story of it all is this. It happened one day as the traveler was walking along the road that led up to the country quite close to the top of the earth, he chanced to meet the north wind. Now the north wind loved to tease and play tricks on everyone, and so he seized the traveler's hat and blew it five fields off. He swept dust into his eyes and wrapped his cloak so tightly around him that without his staff, the traveler would have stumbled. Though he was so bothered and annoyed, the traveler did not complain. He loosened his cloak and wiped the dust out of his eyes. Then, once again, he set upon his way. Ah, said the traveler, it is a strong wind that blows here, but how clean the road is. It is also a good wind. The north wind had expected blame instead of praise and was embarrassed. So straightway he brought back the hat, and then he blew gently in the direction which would best suit the traveler's footsteps. So it was that this visitor knocked at Dame Grumble's cottage one evening just at candlelight. The traveler asked her hospitality, and Dame Grumble told him to enter. She placed a chair before the hearth and began to prepare a supper for him. All the while, she complained most bitterly that she should receive a guest in her kitchen. When she set out his supper, 
Dame Grumble sighed because the bread was brown instead of white. Never sigh, Dame Grumble, urged the traveler with his kind smile. Seldom have I seen a more pleasant kitchen, and never have I eaten better food. Your brown bread is fit for a king, and your broth would give courage to a weary army. That is all very well for you to say, good sir, replied Dame Grumble sulkily, but you do not know all my troubles. She did not often find one to listen to her tale of sorrow, and if the traveler would, Dame Grumble meant that he should hear her. Above all else in the world, Dame Grumble loved to talk about her troubles. Then perhaps after supper, when you sit before the fire, you will tell me of your troubles, said the traveler. You may be sure Dame Grumble agreed. Indeed, she was so eager to begin that she hummed a lively tune to finish her work more quickly. At the unusual sound of his mother's singing, Rayo left his bench to learn the cause of it. When he saw the traveler, he greeted him with warmth. We do not often have a visitor, good sir, he said, so I will leave my work and join you by the fireside. But first, exclaimed the traveler, you must let me see this work of yours. You must love it dearly to be working at it after darkness has fallen. Good sir, replied Freyo, my work is wood carving and I do love it better than the whole world. The traveler looked at the great chests and clock cases with deep admiration and asked Freyo to tell him of his work. Who had he learned his skill from and where had his designs come from? To these questions, Freyo replied that he did not know. He supposed he had taught himself. Good sir, he said. Some folk make pictures on a canvas with bright colored oils and brilliant paints. And other folks make pictures with fair words as they tell wonderful tales. I don't have skills like those, but I have dreamed bright dreams and have loved to sit and carve my dreams upon my chests of oak and walnut wood. Do you think that my skill is good or that my pictures would please anyone besides myself? I have no words to tell you how high I hold your skill, declared the traveler. And as for the pictures you have carved in wood, they would delight a queen or please a king as well. They are truly lovely. Then good sir, replied Freyo, to the apple tree that stands before our door, you should give all this praise. The summer before the summer that has just passed, this good tree gave me her two fattest branches, from which I made a pair of crutches. Then I could wander in the woods from dawn until dark and hear the birds sing songs the whole day long. It was then I learned to dream my finest dreams. It was just like heaven, sir. The poor boy sighed in the memory of the happy time. And before he could say more, Dame Grumble interrupted. 
The good woman could no longer restrain her tongue or her impatience, it seemed. Now, good sir, she cried, you have heard my son. Now you must hear me. The apple tree was not an ordinary tree, as my son knew very well. He was wrong to cut even the smallest twig while I was gone. Each year when the cuckoo came calling in the spring, there was no finer sight in all the world than the apple tree. So thick it was with blossoms that scarce a branch or twig could be seen. Its fragrance floated on the breeze, drawing every bee and butterfly for miles and miles around. Surely with such a tree I might look for a generous harvest, one would think. But no. No sooner was the apple tree dressed up like a bride than my wicked enemy, the north wind, would come and blow these blossoms far away. But here is the wonder of my tale. A few blossoms would sometimes fall beneath the tree, and when they fell, they made a chinking sound, like that of small coins in children's banks. When they had withered, I always found bright, new, shining pennies where they had lay. Now from this, I have believed that when the apple tree would bear fruit, the apples would be gold. If young and tender blossoms give bright, new, shiny pennies, does it not make sense that the ripened fruit should be of purest gold? It would seem so, good woman, agreed the traveler. What then were the apples? Silver, perhaps? Indeed, sir, no, replied Dame Grumble with deep feeling. For all I know, in cutting off the branches of my favorite tree, my naughty son doomed it. For though the apple tree bore fruit this year, it bore nothing but red apples of a common sort. I scorned to gather them. Oh, oh, wept Dame Grumble, bursting into tears once again at the memory of her loss. Therefore, to have my own son so naughty and disobedient, while I, footsore and weary, was looking for the fortune in pennies which the North Wind had stolen from me these many years. Oh, it is too much. I am sure, good sir, you would agree that I have many troubles, and that it is not right to call me Dame Grumble because sometimes I speak of them. I would rather agree that you also have many blessings, good woman, returned the traveler with his kindly smile. Come. Let us draw our chairs before the fire, and perhaps you may learn to see them too. There is nothing that helps us see our blessings as much as the bright flames dancing up the chimney when the world is dark and cold. But when she sat down, Dame Grumble recollected another grievance, and added to my other troubles, she complained, I have a son who cannot walk and must always be looked after instead of helping. The traveler nodded seriously. That is a sorrow, I agree, he said, and I have no doubt, good woman, that your motherly heart must often ache about it. To this, Dame Grumble made no reply. She began to think instead. For years, her mind had been so busy with her plans for her blossoms 
and her golden harvest that she had quite forgotten how to think of anything else. As for her heart, it ached only when she thought of the fortune in pennies that the north wind had stolen from her and that she had not found. Then too, Dame Grumble, continued the traveler, I must tell you that I think the north wind is no more than a rough, playful fellow, and not wicked as you say. Only this afternoon, he stole my hat and ran away with it. But before I had gone twenty yards, the friendly fellow had brought it back to me again. And since he blew me to your cottage door, I will say the north wind as my friend now. And since it was the north wind that brought you to our door, I will no longer call him my enemy, but instead will call him my friend also, declared Dame Grumble with a smile. In the firelight, her face suddenly looked so sweet and gentle that Freyo sighed deeply. Dame Grumble heard the sigh and asked her son the cause of it. I sighed because I wished you would smile more often, mother, replied the boy. You looked so sweet and pleasant. And now, began the traveler, since we are all so happy, let us begin to think about the good woman's difficulties, the fortune in pennies which she sought and could not find, the precious blossoms which the north wind blows away each spring, and the apple tree which should have borne apples of gold, but which bore red apples instead. For these three wrongs, we must find a remedy without delay. Now all the while, she had been sitting with the traveler by the fireside. Because of his magic power, Dame Grumble had been thinking busily. Not of fortunes or of golden apples or of red apples either. Instead, to her own surprise, she was thinking of how tired she had grown. She wished suddenly that she would never hear of these things again. Her son was amazed when she said, Good sir, although I sat me down to talk about my troubles, now that I have told them to you, they seem light and trifling. I am indeed amazed that I have noticed them at all. Though for years and years I have quarreled with the north wind because he robbed me of a fortune, I seem suddenly to care no longer for fortunes or gold or riches of any such. For as I look into the flames, it comes to my mind that there are many in this world not so blessed as I. Some are hungry, and some have nothing to eat, while my cupboards are full. Some are cold, while I sit in comfort before a fire of pine knots that sputter and glow. I see now that I have many blessings. Dame Grumble did not know she had these thoughts because of the Traveler. Ah, cried the Traveler, did I not say the blazing logs helped one to see one's blessings? And was I not right? I have often thought that was true, good sir, agreed Freyo. And now, since my mother no longer wishes to talk about her troubles, perhaps you will tell us tales of your journeys. You are a traveler and have seen far distant lands. Please do, begged Dame Grumble too. It has been a long time since my son and I have heard tales of any sort. Also, from your great wisdom, 
I have an idea that we will be highly entertained. So the traveler told them tales of other lands. He told of strange birds with bright-hued feathers of such great length that they swept upon the ground like queen's trains. He told of burning mountains and of fiery lakes, of lovely flowers blooming in the snow and gardens that grew underneath the sea. The wind howled dismally. Within, the flames leaped high and made strange shadows to dance on the walls. The clock ticked off the minutes into hours, but still, Dame Grumble and her son sat listening, wrapped in wonder. At last, the candle snuffed out, and nothing but the back logs smoldered and glowed in the darkness. Now, good sir, cried Dame Grumble, I am sure you must be weary. She asked him to take the best room, but the traveler refused. The comfortable chair where he sat was all he needed, he declared, and he said good night to the good dame and her son. When they woke up the next morning, he was gone, but on the chair they found his staff. Fastened to the staff was a note which told Freyo to use it in place of the crutches and said when he no longer needed it to give it to someone else who did. Mother, said Freyo, when he had read the note over and over again, doesn't this make you think that maybe one day I might be able to walk without the help of either crutch or staff? What do you think? It would seem so, my son, replied the dame, and then how happy I would be. A knock at the door startled them both. Dame Grumble, thinking it was the traveler returned, quickly opened it, but it was not him. It was a king's herald dressed in scarlet satin and silver laces. I am the herald of King Silverswood, he said. He bowed low to Dame Grumble as though she were a duchess. And I am Dame Grumble at his majesty's service, answered Dame Grumble with a bow equally fine. Then listen to my message, began the herald. He unrolled a scroll set thick with the king's seals and written all in silver letters and read the following proclamation. The apple crop of the whole world has failed. From north to south, from east to west, there is not one apple to be found, not even for a king's ransom. Now, apples are great luxuries. However, the little princess Silverstar, the only daughter of King Silverwood and Queen Silverland, has fallen ill and craves constantly for red apples. The doctors and the medical men hold no hope for her recovery unless she has to eat the fruit she craves. If Dame Grumble will sell a dozen or more apples to His Majesty, King Silversword, she may name any sum of gold or rich jewels in payment. Whatever she desires, it shall be hers in exchange for her red apples. Come now, good woman, what do you say? I say, good Master Harold, that my red apples are not for sale, the dame replied. But if they are able to restore the little princess Silverstar, she may have them all. 
They shall be a gift from me and my son Frail. Now the herald was amazed at this. From the humble surroundings, he knew the good woman and her son were not rich people, and he reasoned wisely that riches would not be wasted. He tried to persuade Dame Grumble to accept some gift, but Dame Grumble was firm in her intention and would not be persuaded. If my red apples have a power to heal, she declared, they will have three times that power if they are given with a good heart instead of in barter or exchange. So the herald bothered her no more. He called the servants and told them to strip the tree. And then, with many thanks, he hurried on his way. Oh, mother, cried Freyo as they watched the royal coach leave. How kind of you to refuse such riches. All your life you have longed for such fortune, too. Indeed, my son, replied the good woman earnestly. The only fortune I desire now is the fortune that you will one day make for me. However, I must confess that all the while I spoke to the king's herald, it seemed that the traveler was close beside to tell me what to say and that the words were not my own. Now wasn't that a strange thing, since he has been gone for a while? As she went about her daily tasks, the good woman seemed to have forgotten her old woes and troubles, and Freyo whistled like a bird as he sat working at his bench. The little cottage had never known such a happy day. Freyo's tools seemed to fly as though by magic, and the gloom that had been slowly settling down upon the little cottage, quite close to the top of the earth, now seemed to take wings and fly off. It was just at sunset when they heard the blowing of horns and trumpets, and again the coach of King Silversword drew up before their door. Freyo, wishing to hear news of the Princess Silverstar, seized the traveler's staff and hobbled toward the door. But wonders of wonders. No sooner had he leaned his weight upon it than he grew tall and straight as a young poplar tree. Like an arrow, he sped from the cottage door and Dame Grumble rubbed her eyes in case she was dreaming. Now look, good Master Harold, she cried in amazement. You saw my son only this morning and he could not walk well. And now he walks as well as you or I. I say, it is a wonderful day. You are right, good woman, declared the herald. I have come to tell you another wonderful thing. Only this morning, the little princess Silverstar ate but one of the red apples, and to the delight and wonder of the court, she began to grow stronger. When she had eaten three or four, the doctors and medical men pronounced her cured. They believed that the red apples coming as a gift, rather than for barter or exchange, had worked an important part in this amazing recovery. Tonight, there is great feasting and rejoicing in the land of King Silversword, and the praises of Dame Grumble and her son are sung by rich and poor and high and low alike. The herald then unrolled another scroll and read the following proclamation. 
wherefore his majesty, King Silversword, to show his gratitude, has now declared Freyo as the first woodcarver of his kingdom and master of all other woodcarvers in the land. Freyo could scarcely believe his good fortune and asked the herald to read the scroll once more. Then he began to shout with joy. Just think, mother, he cried. I can walk now like the youths I must meet. I am so happy, declared Dame Grumble. But if there will be feasting in the lands of King Silversword, then there likewise will be feasting in our little cottage. You are whole and strong, and the Princess Silverstar is restored to health through our gift. Let us be merry too. And you, good Master Harold, continued the good dame, though our food be plain, if happy hearts alone be needed, there will be no merrier household in the world than ours tonight. Will you eat with us? The herald said he would be honored, and so Dame Grumble popped another pudding in the steaming pot, and they all sat down. While the three ate, the good dame and her son recalled the wonder of their visitor the evening before. One could hardly believe the change the traveler made in my mind and heart, said the good dame. Before he came, I was scolding and complaining from morning until night. But since he entered my door, I have hardly had a single thought about it. It would seem, good dame, that the traveler was some gentle spirit that came from afar, agreed the herald. I do not doubt that he and his magic are the secret cause of these things we have seen today. When he left with the herald the next day, Freyo left behind the traveler's staff. The good dame fancied it would be a guard against the return of her low spirits. She leaned on it as she stood by the cottage door and waved her son a farewell and thought with pride how handsome he was now that he was tall and straight. Here we must leave Dame Grumble in the country quite close to the top of the earth and journey off with Freyo on his way to seek his fortune. And that's the end of this part. Good night. Sleep tight. <laughs>